0: Well, we're going to turn uh, to God's Word and I suppose really if you turn to 1 Corinthians 15 that will be a good place to be uh, this morning. We'll be referring to it. Here we are stuck behind closed doors, unable to go places, uh, trying to flatten out that curve as they talk about of COVID-19 and now Easter comes. Or as one writer puts it, Easter crashes gloriously in. We're not the first to start off Easter in lockdown. That's what happened at the original Easter. Fearful men and women were stuck behind closed doors, desperately hoping not to be the next to face a gruesome death. Their lives have been put on hold. Their dreams have been taken from them. And what would happen next? They had no hope. Nothing left to cling to. And of course, we know that Jesus was meant to die. And we know that the resurrection is coming. But as far as they were concerned, time stopped at three o'clock on Friday afternoon. And they sit through Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath. Isolation day. Looking at the walls. Wondering what would happen next. All perhaps seemed completely surreal, a day perhaps of waiting and wondering what to do next, even if there would be a next. And then, darkness falls, and then the first day, of a new week dawns. the woman, they get up early, and they've gone to anoint Jesus' body with spices, and then chaos breaks out, and the woman come running back, they're shocked, confused. At first they say nothing, and then they speak about the stone being rolled away and the tomb being empty and an angel meeting with them and saying something extraordinary, that Jesus was risen. And they tell the disciples this. The disciples think that they're mad. And so Peter and John run to the tomb and it is empty. And Mary Magdalene meets them. And she's got this incredible story about meeting Jesus and Easter has crashed in gloriously. Jesus is alive and it brought hope where there had been despair. It brought joy where there had been fear. It brought certainty where there had been doubt. It brought forgiveness where there had been great guilt. It brought purpose where there had been nothing. And that's what Easter does. And I want us to consider the impact of Easter this Easter morning and to let it crash gloriously into our lives. Our situation is not as bleak as those first disciples. But the same ingredients are here. Fear, doubt, anxiety, uncertainty, guilt, sense of what's my purpose, what's happening in life, what will come next. The resurrection dealt with those questions then, and it flows down into century 21 to give us hope in a COVID-19 world and beyond. I want us to think about four things the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth gives to us. First of all, it gives certainty. It gives certainty about our faith. Why believe in God? Why believe in a resurrection? Surely in the 21st century. were too educated to believe in that. I watched a program the other day of interview clips that were asking people did they believe Jesus rose from the dead? No, no they said that couldn't have happened. Maybe in the darkness of a tomb they didn't see the body but no certainly he didn't rise from the dead. And there are days when doubts come to us, days when trouble comes into our world and we do wonder not simply, is the resurrection true, but is any of this true? Does God exist? And doubts come even to me as as a pastor. And when that happens, I come back to, to three essential aspects of the story. History records that Jesus existed. We don't even need the Bible for that. There's evidence from outside the Bible, from historians Josephus and Tacitus, And Suetonius, history records that he was crucified. Those same historians talk about it. And all the evidence points to the resurrection being true. For me, it's overwhelming evidence. The evidence of the empty tomb. Where did the body go? The evidence of the 500 plus people who saw him rise from the dead or risen from the dead. Evidence of the changed lives of the disciples and their willingness to die. They went from being afraid to being fearless. Evidence of the spread of Christianity. There's no way to explain the growth of Christianity apart from the changed lives of the disciples changed by the resurrection. If you were an alien looking down on the first century, pondering which will be here in two millennia, The Roman Empire or Christianity? Well, you wouldn't put much money on a ragtag bunch of nobodies whose main message was that a crucified carpenter from an obscure village had triumphed over the grave. And yet, as one writer puts it, it was so successful that today we name our children Peter and Paul and we call our dogs Nero and Caesar. And one of the things I love about the Bible accounts is that they're not full of gullible people. They're not full of pre-scientific people who believe that the dead come back to life every other other day. Every single person who engages with the resurrection story is a sceptic. When the women tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead, we read in Luke 24, 11, that they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And then the disciples fared no better whenever Jesus appeared to them. Well, they didn't trust their senses. They thought, well, he can't be alive. This has to be a ghost. And then there was Thomas. He didn't believe even when all the disciples and the woman were saying to him, Jesus is alive. He says, I need to touch the man. I need to put... My my hands on the the nail marks in his hands. And yet these men were all convinced, these women. And I have two favourite sceptics. I do love a good sceptic. There's James, the the brother of Jesus. In in Mark 3, we read that Jesus' brothers and sisters and his mother thought he was mad, that he had lost the plot. Here he was claiming to be the long-predicted Messiah to be the son of God, claiming that he could forgive sins. Jesus' family were having none of it. And yet James becomes the leader of the church of Jerusalem in the book of Acts. And what led to that transformation? Well, we read it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. He appeared to James. Wow, that must have been some meeting, mustn't it? You've watched your brother die a horrific death. You've comforted your distraught mother. And then, three days later, that same brother that you had seen die is standing in front of you, talking to you. What had happened? He was alive, and from being sceptical, James become one of the leaders of the church and will lay down his life for the claim that his brother was God. and Then there's the arch-sceptic Saul of Tarsus. Saul considered Jesus to be a blasphemous con-man and an imposter. He made it his life's mission to hunt down and execute and imprison and torture followers of Jesus. And yet in a moment he went from being one of Christianity's greatest persecutors to being Christ's greatest advocate, what happened? Well, we read in the next verse in 1 Corinthians 15, He appeared to me also. Imagine the whiplash, the mental whiplash in Saul's head as he comes to grasp that the man he thought was a con man is actually alive, has risen from the dead. And he went on to proclaim it all over the ancient world, from Athens. Right to the centre of it in Rome. You see, the resurrection's not a fairy tale ending to a tall story. It's what convinced the sceptics in Scripture, and it still does that today. I have books on my shelves here by different men Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, Frank Morrison, who set out to prove the falsity of the resurrection and ended up believing in it. And so the resurrection brings confidence that our faith is true. And maybe in these days of trouble or maybe not this specific trouble but maybe other trials in your life or at times of other disaster that you're caused to question the truth of this, let the resurrection give certainty amidst all of the uncertainties. Come and anchor your faith here. Let the resurrection come crashing gloriously into your doubts. Let me challenge you, if you aren't trusting in Christ, to look at the evidence for the resurrection. There's actually a film available for free where one of those men, Lee Strobel, looks at the evidence that Christ existed, that the Bible is true, and that the resurrection happened. It's available free at the moment. We'll put a link up afterwards on Facebook. You can't ignore a man who's raised from the dead. Let that resurrection come crashing gloriously into your life. That's the first thing. It gives us certainty about our faith. And then secondly, it gives hope for the future. There's something morbid about our news at the minute. It's hard not to become fixated by the figures that The count of people who've passed away due to COVID-19. We chart its rate. Death both fascinates us and horrifies us. Is it the end? What does come next? Is there any evidence of life after death? I remember watching a program um, where they were interviewing uh, doctors and medics uh, and they were talking about the evidence from science that consciousness seems to continue after the electrical activity of the brain has stopped. And These scientists are saying, look, there are hints and clues that there's more to human personhood than electromagnetic waves. But we've got much more than hints and clues. We've got the resurrection. One man came back from death significantly never to die again, and that changes everything. It changed the disciples' view of the future and for their view of life and death. They went from men being afraid of the authorities to men not afraid of death. They had seen the grave conquered and they had seen death defied. And the resurrection brings hope, hope about the future in at least two ways. Let me mention them very briefly it guarantees glorious new life. It guarantees glorious new life. There's a great verse in Romans chapter 6 and verse 5. For if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection means glorious new life for us. If you are joined To what happened at the cross? You are joined to what happened at the tomb. COVID-19 robs people of life here. So does cancer. So does old age. But the resurrection crashes gloriously in to bring hope and a future. New life awaits. Jesus' resurrection guarantees it. And Paul drives it home in that chapter we read. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 and 23, he says Jesus' resurrection guarantees yours and mine if we're trusting in him. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Christ, the first fruits then when he comes those who belong to him he likens it to looking at a tree and there as you're watching this tree growing there it's an apple tree or a, a pear tree or a plum tree and there's the first fruit of this year's harvest and you're excited and you go and taste it and oh it's it's succulent and it's sweet and it gives you great confidence about the rest of the the fruit that you see growing that they will be like it succulent and sweet For they have enjoyed the same conditions and they're growing on the same tree. It's an indicator of what's to come. And Christ's resurrection is an indicator of what is to come for his people. In verses 42 to 48 he speaks of our resurrection bodies. Sown in dishonour, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Here is confidence. He says, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. And when you hear this next line, and the mortal put on immortality. That's what happened to Jesus. And so it happens to Jesus' people. We are guaranteed victory over death. Verse 54 to 57. Unless Christ returns first, you and I will die. For those trusting in Christ, death has lost its sting. There's a victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? God has given us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Fantastic. Here's this wonderful new life. Mankind fears dying, it fears the end of everything, it fears the prospect of the unknown. And yet, the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees. A new future for us. In a COVID-19 world, here's something that it can't take away. Glorious new life. And then, let me mention very briefly, it also guarantees a glorious new creation. A glorious new creation. Jesus was resurrected to never die. And his resurrection speaks of a world with no death and no sickness and no suffering and no pain of everything being made new, no viruses, no cancer, no Lyme disease, no fibromyalgia, no epilepsy, no arthritis, no chronic pain, no fatigue, no blindness, no earthquakes, no tsunamis, no more catastrophe. In Revelation 21, Jesus or John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among man and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Behold, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Imagine a glorious new creation. The resurrection guarantees it. Creation's partially renewing itself in these days. The air's getting cleaner. The rivers are getting purer. But that is nothing compared to what will be let the resurrection crash into your lockdown and give you hope for a glorious and spectacular future the resurrection gives hope for the future thirdly the resurrection gives assurance about forgiveness it gives assurance about forgiveness how do we know that we will be accepted into this glorious new world to enjoy A glorious new life. You and I were born flawed. We were born rebels. We are deficient in obedience. We fall short of God's standard. But as we thought with the children, Jesus at the cross offered himself as a perfect sacrifice in our place. A life that had no rebellion. A life that had no flaws. A life offered to God on our behalf, as our substitute. And in his death, he took all of our sin and rebelliousness on himself. And death was the punishment, God's guilty verdict. In Romans 4, verse 25, we read, He was delivered over to death for our sins. That's why it happened. But that verse doesn't stop there. He was raised for our justification. He was raised for our justification. There's that word that we talked about with the children. Just as if we've never sinned. Just as if we've lived a life of obedience to God. His death was for us and his resurrection was for us. The resurrection is proof that there's no more to pay. Maybe like me, you've sat aghast as we've learned about celebrities who committed all sorts of offences in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, things they thought they'd got away with, are suddenly brought into the light and they're imprisoned. Is that a prospect for us that before God, something that we had shoved into the past will be brought into the light and we will be declared guilty? No, because Jesus Christ died was crucified for our sins and was raised to life for our not guilty verdict, our justification. God has declared you not guilty and the resurrection enables you this morning on the 12th of April, 2020, to hear into the future, to the day of judgment and to hear God speak to you and say, not guilty, not guilty. We can hear that verdict today. Let that reality crash in on you today. The psalmist says in Psalm 25, My sins and faults of youth, O Lord, will you forget? And the ringing answer comes from the resurrection. Yes, I will forget them. I will cast them aside. I will remember them no more. The resurrection anchors your forgiveness in forever. Your past, present and future sins are all forgiven. The resurrection gives assurance of forgiveness. And then lastly, the resurrection gives help for the present. The resurrection gives help for now. Ah, but Mark, you say, I need help for today. I'm fine with the future. It's today's my problem. I I struggle with living for Jesus. I struggle with fears, I struggle with doubt, I struggle with inadequacy, I struggle with a sense of purpose, I struggle with temptation, I struggle with health, I struggle with trial. I I struggle with all sorts of things. And the resurrection brings help to you. Because the disciples needed help for today as well. And it was the resurrection crashing gloriously into their lives that brought help. Not just that one day, and not just that it was an echo that reverberated through their lives, but it was an ever-present reality. Listen to Paul in Romans 8. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. If by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body you will live, The spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in every single Christian. There's resurrection life coursing through your life. The resurrection spirit lives in you to enable you to live for Jesus. The resurrected Jesus sends the resurrecting Holy Spirit to help His people live new lives. So, although we find it hard, Although we find it difficult, in a sense there's no such thing as can't because the Spirit is there to help us, to enable us. And too often we look to our own strength and we need to look to God and say, help me to rely on you, help me to trust in you. We have got resurrection enabling. So whatever stage of life you're at, you can do tomorrow. Because if you're a Christian, you have resurrection life living in you. 2,000 years ago, the resurrection changed a lockdown. It crashed gloriously into the lives of the disciples. It said to them, you're not wasting your time, Jesus lives. It said to them, there is a glorious future ahead, Jesus restores. It told them there is forgiveness that lasts forever, Jesus forgives. And it told them that they weren't on their own as they struggled to live for him. Jesus helps. And it says the same to you and to me today. Do you need to let the resurrection crash gloriously into your life? To refresh your memory of its power and wonder? Or do you need to let the resurrection crash gloriously into your life? Perhaps for the first time as you come to turn away from living life your way and to put Jesus first and to ask him to be your substitute, to die in your place and to give you this resurrection life. It's the only thing that can ultimately bring hope to a broken and dying world. Amen. Let's come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a stunningly majestic truth. We're so used to it being part of the story that we forget what a a crashing, monumental, spectacular, astonishing event it was. And Father, we pray that we would grasp it. Grasp it to free us from doubts. Grasp it to free us from a sense of guilt To grasp it to free us from a sense of powerlessness. To grasp it to free us from a sense of despair. Help us to live as people marked by the resurrection of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear Father, I pray for any watching this morning who don't yet know Jesus as their Saviour. That they would investigate. That they would look at Christ. That they would look at themselves. And they would see that they need a saviour. And that they would look at Christ and see that he is the only one who would go to the cross for them. And the only one who would die for them. And the only one who has been raised to life for them. And that they would entrust themselves to him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.